2019, Sunless Sea and Fallen London developer Alexis Kennedy was accused by two women of inappropriate behavior. These uh, accusations ranged from infidelity and a bad temper to preying on young women trying to get a foothold in the industry. I spoke with Alexis Kennedy and his partner, Lottie Bevan, uh, on the second episode of my Diabolical podcast. Uh, I wanted to get their side of the story, not because I am taking sides in this story, but simply because I think it's important that we continue to uh, hold on to an attitude of innocent until proven guilty. And in this story, researching this story, I could find no proof that the, and even an investigation was carried out into the validity of these allegations. I'm not saying that the allegations are false or that they are lies, simply that I don't know and nobody seems to actually know. The only people who know are the accuser and the accused. Uh, no journalists or reporters took the, the time to uncover any evidence or of the validity of these allegations. And so we're left with a he said, she said. Uh, and unfortunately, as is often the case uh, these days, the accused was judged fairly harshly in the court of public opinion, despite there being no hard evidence that uh, these accusations were actually true. So I wanted to talk with Alexis and Lottie, get their side of the story, let them say their piece, and let listeners and readers make up their own minds. Um, so without further ado, uh, Alexis, Lottie, welcome to Diabolical. And... Uh, Thank you for being on. How are you guys doing? Yeah, I think, think, think things are good. I mean, you know, we have uh, our day-to-day our -day life is actually really rather excellent. We run a small, um, battered but successful business. Uh, we have two cats we adore. No, we have two cats Lottie adores. He and does I love, too. Um, and I have a child around somewhere. Uh, and we've been very fortunate in games to kind of sail out a lot of the pain of, of COVID. Um, yeah. As I'm sure you know, uh, games have been weirdly kind of buoyant in the COVID yeah. pandemic because obviously everyone at home is very bored and that means they play more games. So, so hooray, sad face. Yeah. Um, because we're both basically, well, I'm an introvert who hates people and obviously, would you describe yourself as an introvert who hates people? Uh, not publicly. Okay. Uh, well, I'm an introvert who hates people, and Lottie is a woman of restraint, tact, and diplomacy. <laughs> so, lockdown has been relatively easy on us. My kid, who's 11, really struggled because she just started at a new school and, um, you know, having to, to, to work from home and not seeing her friends and things is, is rough. Uh, but at least. How's it been on your end? Yeah, well, I mean, I've worked from home for, for like a decade. So, for me, yeah, it, was, it wasn't a huge adjustment. Um, but yeah, for the kids, because I have a soon-to-be eleven-year-old and a soon-to-be fourteen-year-old, so for them it was it was tricky. Um, but uh, yeah, no, and um, you know, I think like like a lot of people, uh, for me it was like way more alcohol than I should ever possibly consume, and <laughs> just yeah, just judge. Generally, all the good things at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, man, I should I should start jogging all the time and like get in really good shape because it looks like this this virus kills people who are you know who have high blood pressure and all that but uh um yeah it just didn't really turn out that way <laughs> what was the phrase about lockdown drinking that you one of your friends used which one i can't remember this some if you can't remember it's no good but some some a witty way of describing like the lockdown diet i can't remember sorry yeah. but yeah <laughs> i know it's just that every, every day is the same as the last right it becomes a little yeah. bit harder to uh 
uh, to keep habits and some days you can't even remember whether it's this day or, or, or the last. But nearly over. Nearly over. Yes. Are you, did you guys California get vaccinated? Or... Uh, I'm in I'm in Arizona. So, oh right, okay. Yeah, so kind of where I live in a um, in Flagstaff, Arizona, which is like a college mountain town. So we're up at like we're like pretty close to the Grand Canyon, um, up in in the mountains. So can confirm, very beautiful. Dottie's a big Grand Canyon fan. She lived in America for the first for a bunch of times. Lived in Washington, went to Phoenix, Arizona, but never your part okay. of Arizona. Yeah. Um, lived in Cambridge, NA for a bit. Cool. Wash so Washington State. No, DC. Okay, cool. I've never been to DC. Isn't that I mean, strange? I, was, I left when I was eight, <laughs> so I don't feel I'm like a reliable source, but I had a great yeah. time there when I was a yeah. kid. I've I've been to London for a couple of days uh, on our way to Ireland, but uh, we we stayed down in Soho, and it was it was so I, I was I, we'd just been to Paris before that, and it was just like I I wanted to get out of London so badly because it was just oh, so no. crowded and loud. I know I was just I had been I had been in uh, too too many. Too much of a, a an urban environment. I was, and the hotel we had was super tiny, and both my girlfriend and I are very tall, so we were just like. But London's cool. I want to explore it more when I have. Uh, it is, but you know, I support people's. Um, I support people hating London. I'm. Uh, I grew up in Oxford, which is uh, very small, uh, very beautiful, very quiet, relatively speaking. And I, I hated London for that first five years I was here, and then after that, it's just like. When I first came here, somebody said, I said to somebody, you know, but it's so noisy, it's so dirty, it's so unfriendly, it's so expensive. Do you stop noticing that? And they, they thought about it a bit and they said, no, you just sort of stop caring. And that's <laughs> that's kind of how it is. You just use yeah. the world's like that. Yeah, but I mean, I think so, you didn't do us any favours by visiting Paris first. That's cheating. Right? No. no. <laughs> yeah. And then we were in Barcelona before that. So it was, that was a cool trip. But that's that's my only European adventure. Um so uh, I thought maybe we could, um, you know, maybe you guys could just each introduce yourselves, uh, tell, just talk a little bit about, you know, your your um, how you got started in the game industry, and we'll go from there. Shall I go first? You go first. So I'm Alexis Kennedy. I've been making games for 12 years. I, uh, I get asked how I got into games, and it's really not a helpful story. Uh, I was 37. Uh, I had a... Uh, six-month pregnant wife. Um, I had to take a... Uh, I didn't have to take... I chose to take an unpaid sabbatical from work because I thought this is my last opportunity if I'm going to go and make games to do it before my kid's born and all my priorities change. So with almost no money and almost no time and an incoming daughter, um, I sat down and I wrote and coded a game called Fallen in London. And I got a friend uh, of my wife's actually then uh, in to do the art and then we uh, scraped along the bottom like an airplane trying to take off um, from too small an airfield uh, probably with Nazis chasing it for the first uh, three four years um, never quite made enough money to get by and then suddenly we made Sunder Sea our first actual video game which was a legitimate minor indie hit uh, and suddenly Felbeda went from being a broke startup to being a successful small studio. And then put a pin in it there because I met Lottie. Do you want to do that or shall we? Oh, shall I be able to do the rest? I'll do the rest and then talk about you. Uh, so after seven years, I decided um, I uh, 
I was running a studio of 15 people, 17 people, and I, I, I realised I'd got into games to do design and writing, and I was doing almost none of that. So I, I went Ronin, um, and I, I took, uh, I left Felbetta, I sold my shares in the company, and I spent a year doing freelance work for Bioware, Telltale, Paradox, some other NDA stuff. And then I made a game called uh, Cultist Simulator, um, and then we should talk about Lottie. <laughs> um, so sadly, my story pales in comparison. Um, I grew up watching my dad play games. Um, grew up before my sexual awakening, thinking Lara Croft was pretty cool, and she is still pretty cool. <laughs> but it's not the nineties people, so we need anything. Um, I believe you met um, the founder of uh, the, the ex-president of Idos once for the train. I did. And he apologised to you for that. Did he was totally gentlemanly and great, mainly because I didn't know who he was, which I think he found quite refreshing. Um, and I did English at uni, which was brilliant in lots of ways, but is dreadful for job prospects. So basically sort of like kind of bollocks my way into the games industry as a producer. Um, and I worked in some pretty interesting, tiny indie companies who've been run in some pretty fascinating ways and ended up joining Failbetter because with my English background, I found their narrative games really interesting, um, which turned out you wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked at Failbetter as a producer for a couple of years, and then I hopped ship to co-found Web Factory with AK. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm producer, marketer, and inexplicably artist, which is very refreshing. I often described Lottie's main ability as constructive uh, irritation. Uh, which is to say that anytime she's not good at something, she, really get, she gets really cross. <laughs> so she works really hard to sort of make sure I stay out of the room while she's swearing, and then I'll sort of come back in a month and she'll be she'll be going to see it. She's done. Uh, well, we can't describe yeah, it because this, this is an audio podcast. Yeah. So talking about art you can't see is probably the least. interesting. She's designing a, a, a so, so okay. So so Weather Factory, where where we're just the two of us. Uh, we were slightly more for a while, and I'll talk about that in a bit. But we're just the two of us and planning to be just the two of us indefinitely. Um, We made Cultist Simulator. Again, a a legitimate um, minor indie hit, I think is the best way to describe it. It wasn't Stardew Valley, but it has, what, three quarters of a million installs or something? It has changed our life. Yeah. And um, the way I've always worked is designing settings against the stories that people sort of like wrapping themselves up and rolling around in and unpicking all the bits of and so Cultist Simulator was, was like that and we've got a whole bunch of ancillary stuff like uh, a tarot deck uh, that we sell based on the secret gods in the game and Lottie's designing another one which is astonishing and is um made of translucent PVC yeah, so yeah, it looks like stained glass first time I think that's ever been yeah done apparently in I the think it's like internet to great this, but yeah first time oh. so uh Shall I talk about the, the reason we're doing this interview, or do you want to ask me questions that I'll respond to about that? Great. Um, yeah. Um, in terms of, yeah, no, go ahead. Um, you know, what, what, why are we doing this interview? <laughs> so, uh, because you are, you're, I don't know, how would you describe your podcast? Countercultural? Independent? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so Troublemaking? Funny. The culture shifts all the time, and and uh, the way it's shifted lately has been strange and peculiar. So I guess I am a little counterculture. Um, I yeah, uh, and I guess that is yeah. I, I I think that we we see in this in our culture lately just a lot of uh, a lot of. I, mean, I know that the phrase cancel culture is is sort of used broad broad strokes uh, wise, but I think there is a lot of this sort of strange. Um, bullying and canceling and uh blacklisting that goes on and it's really bad in the games industry i mean i think i've been 
blacklisted in the games industry for at least six or seven years now. So um, oh, you got seniority. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, just for 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 almost nothing, but um, but that people don't particularly like me, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's because yeah, you've so, read The Walking Dead, isn't it, Derek? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It's, the, <laughs> it's it's all the mean things I've said about Carol and The Walking Dead. <laughs> no, I think for me, actually, it was. Um, it was, you know, trying when Gamergate happened, when that was going on, I tried to cover that um, sort of from a consumer first standpoint, which is kind of what I've always done is look at consumer consumer rights. Um, you know, why why are the you know why are gamers upset? What's going on here? And and of mm-hmm. course, um, you know, if you do that, then you're a misogynist and a, a sexist and a Unclean. an abuser and all those things. So um, people have said I'm the found, one of the co-founders of the alt right. Which is hilarious, wow. to me, considering my long history of voting for Democrats. But, I mean, no, no wonder you're so rich. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, Richard Spencer's like licensing the the, the terms off you, presumably. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> me and Richard Spencer, best buddies. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny because of course I am I'm a lefty and I have no no fondness for any sort of white supremacy or anything like that, but. This is how it goes. Um, so yeah, you've got you've got kind of a, a crazy story of your own. Uh, so we do. So there? what's happened there? What's what's the backstory here? So shall I start with the backstory, or shall I start with twenty nineteen? Uh, I would do an overview. An overview. So the overview is that we were in twenty nineteen, late twenty nineteen. Lottie and me at the top of the wheel. Um, we had. Uh, We'd bought out Cultist Simulator. We, we'd done the first round of DLC, which had been very successful. We decided we were going to make a new game about a library, which had a lot of buzz. Um, we'd grown the studio from two to five people. And because Lottie had for a long time been a, a big proponent of feminism in games, we we were that rare thing, majority female studio. Very right? proud of that. And um, we just won a whole bunch of awards. And then... A tornado came down, and the tornado was that I was accused on Twitter of being an abuser. And I was accused by two, kind of two and a half people. And, and the story got legs, because it was, it was the same time as a couple of other big names got called out for being, air quotes, abusers. And so it was described. It was a, bit of a moment. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a moment. And no, nobody wanted to know the details. You know, I was an abuser and I was a bad guy. And well, specifically, and you were accused of leveraging your position as CEO of a company yeah. to basically get women to sleep with you. Yeah. So yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and just to be clear, before we move forward, yeah. that didn't happen. And okay said it didn't happen at the time and wrote at length about what actually happened. But so, so yeah, so, so I think it's, it's worth saying, when I say I was called out on Twitter, what actually happened was a uh, anonymous Twitter account popped up and started to make allegations about me. And that was sufficiently weird that it, it didn't get any, um, any traction, uh, or it was quite unpleasant. Uh, and that happened on my daughter's 10th birthday. And to be clear, the allegations that the anonymous account were saying were things like, um, hands up anyone who's gone round to AK's house for cocktails, yeah. which which is not, you know, your, your New York Post headline crime. No. No, and then and then the anonymous account went away because it wasn't getting any, any traction. And then there was something of, of a, 
Does coordinated assault sound too paranoid? It does, doesn't it? It does. I don't think it, I think it was a more free for all. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a lot of it was spontaneous, but I got I got um uh one person making accusations, a lot of retweets, and then another person making accusations. And here's what I was actually accused of and what I actually did. So I had sex twice with Meg Giant uh, in 2011, eight years before any accusations were made. Um, back when she was a producer at the BBC and I was running Fell Better at that point, it was five, six people and we had no money. So there wasn't any power differential. She wasn't working for me. It was all 100% consensual. And the other thing I did was um, I hired somebody who I was already occasionally sleeping with. And then later on, Lottie and I fell in love and I broke things off with her and I um, uh, and she was hurt and it was tricky. But we kept working together for another um, six months before I left the company. And that's literally it. <laughs> that's, I think, everything. And I've been, if you go online and search my name, you can find people say that I'm a sex pest, that I'm a rapist, that I'm a sexual abuser. It's so horrible. And I've never, it's hard even to say, I've never been accused of being a rapist. It sounds like <laughs> I've never been accused of being a rapist. <laughs> what I mean is, is, you know, I've been accused of being accused of being a rapist. People say, oh, you know he's a woman, you know he's a, a sex pest. And then uh, if asked exactly what, they're bit, you're not standing up for an abuser, are you? And at the time when it happened, I think it got more traction because uh, Alec Kolovka and Jeremy Soule, um, both of whom are sort of, you know, bigger names than me, uh, were, I was very much the, the runt of the litter, were, were, were also attacked online. And for more uh, serious things. Both of them were accused of variants. Of I want to. You make it clear they were accused, and and we're not. Uh, oh no, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just saying that's that's why I think that your narrative has changed quite a lot since the accusations, yeah, you because you're kind of lumped in. But again, I, I, I'm I'm. You, you'd be amazed to hear that my experience made me more sceptical of claims <laughs> that are made about other people. Yeah, so. me, me too. <laughs> and Alec, of course, killed himself. Uh, so I'm particularly keen not to blacken his name any further. No. But um, at the time. A whole bunch of people said, yes, I've been hearing stories about Alexis for years. And I was accused, what was the phrase? A, a multitude of women? Something like that. Uncountable women, dozens of young women. And the idea was that I sort of hung around games conferences. <laughs> and you jumped out of bushes at, at young women. Yeah, or I invited them back to my room and said, hey, I think I can get you a poorly paid writing gig <laughs> for my six-person indie studio. Do you want to yeah. do the thing? yeah. And, and that didn't ever and, happen. And then, yeah, and then, that, that didn't happen. Um, and and then, nobody ever, to be, again, nobody ever said that happened. Yeah. There was just, there was sort of the actual accusations about him using his position of power, which mm -hmm. aren't true. And then there was a sort of secondary story that took on a life of its own, which has no bearing on any reality or any specific allegations at all, that you're just kind of a skank mm. and that and that your career has basically been about picking up girls mm. and that you're just a bad guy. Mm. And the reason that you were running feminist initiatives uh, and the yeah. reason that we at Weather Factory were doing uh, mentorship for new indies and the reason that I used to respond to people who mailed me and asked for help yeah. and the reason that when I was at Fail Better that we founded an initiative called Fund Better that gave uh, money to, no, be fair, lent money uh, to indies, indie fund style. 
and the fact that Failbatter instituted a um, uh, a scheme where everybody was paid at least thirty two grand as a minimum decent wage. Uh, yeah, range. I remember the day you told us yep. about that. That was great. And at Failbetter, in the first seven years of its life, exactly one person resigned. That's because he got a dream job in the US, which is a turnover you don't get in the States. All that was a cover. And you should be more suspicious of me because we did those things, because it was all just me covering up my habit of jumping out of bushes. But I think you said nobody ever said, and it's worth getting to that, because the other half of this is your the effect it's had in your life. And I've always said that this was a, an attack as much on Lottie as on me. Um, Lottie thinks I'm probably being a little bit paranoid about that, but certainly she suffered. And certainly I think the thing is, I was apparently jumping out of bushes at the oiling, but nobody ever saw fit to mention this to you. Yeah, I mean, so, so I knew immediately that, that there was something hinky going on because I have at the time had been monogamously dating Alexis for something coming up on five years. Mm. So, you know, we lived together, we worked together. If he were doing anything sneaky, the chances are that I would have had some inkling that that was going on, even if I didn't know all of it. Mm. Um, and I had also worked at the ex-company Fail Better where all of this took place. And I had also worked with all of the, all the two women um, mm. who specifically said negative things about you mm. and I was fully aware of, of the context and the relationships going on there so I, I knew there was something more to the story when it came out um, but ostensibly it was in uh, it, it was trying to protect women from people like Alexis that was the sort of stated reason for this mm. all happening on social media and being so cataclysmically awful it was a kind of idea that well it is awful for you guys and your, your business might well suffer and you might kill yourselves but we're doing this because we have to protect women which which you know great i'm, I'm pro protecting women that's a good thing um but then it became uh, apparent that i was also under attack and i had been a prominent feminist in the um, industry i'd won some major awards I was quite well known for being quite outspoken and, and protective of women in lots of ways. And very, very quickly that changed. And I have now too become a monster. And I have an been abuser. everything. Well, an abuser specifically, according to one of Alexis's particular detractors. Yeah. Um, for no, no reason given, I just am. Um, and I'm a bad feminist and I'm a woman shield. And my career, even more than Alexis's. Grima worm tongue. I'm Grima worm tongue. That's a classic. Um, <laughs> one of, uh, yeah, my career has been a, a, a total front for Alexis's um, to cover up his evil misogynist mm. despite the fact that that doesn't stand up to any scrutiny at all and I find that really insulting but um but yeah so so this has expanded from um specific allegations of a bad character on Alexis's part to Lottie and Alexis eat babies for breakfast and anyone who talks about them should also be banned. I think it's worth being specific so I don't think anyone's actually said that we eat babies for breakfast but they have said that you're <laughs> A racist. Oh yeah, I'm a racist. My family are awful. My family. Your family. Are awful. Your family are aristocrats, apparently. Yeah, and I was brought up in the Raj, so that's why in I'm super racist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Despite the fact that I'm not that old. And I'm a drunk. Oh yeah, you were drunk. You were drunk. I made a cocktail on um, stage at GDC uh, and uh, back in 2017, and this was because I was secretly like drugging. Women's drinks and I no, was let's using not, like that. To be clear, you were never accused of that. There was sort of a suggestion that you're kind of a. a there rogue. was there was one person said, but... "Well, you know, I had a drink with him, and he was drinking a transparent liquid, and he said it was gin, but who knows? It might have been it water. was definitely gin. To be yeah. clear, this man has a serious. <laughs> but but I think to be. I think it's a serious gin problem for me. <laughs> collection, darling, collection. Um, and and the way this manifests to get you know to stop our tiny violins is two years on from this stuff, which came out of nowhere and 
you know, was just cataclysmic, as we said, we still get a very small rump of people who will still appear out of relatively nowhere. You know, when we're just doing our day-to-day stuff, we don't see horrible stuff, although we really don't go looking. But if we launch a game, if we get any press coverage, if we do anything remotely financially positive for this company, we see people still actively emailing distribution platforms to tell Mm -hmm. them to take us down. We get people saying, you can't feature these people. Um, we, we, We know that we have been blacklisted by a lot of press, um, which I think Again, we, we, we have been reasons. explicitly blacklisted by two or three people who told us they blacklisted us well, and, and a whole bunch of others just don't reply to our mails anymore. Well, well yeah, and that's, that's a slightly more complicated situation. But, but yeah, so we're still very much feeling the ramifications from this. And behind the scenes, we've been trying to um, do our best to be sensible and to try and resolve it because obviously like, it sucks for us and it's horrible. Um, but I imagine it sucks for everybody involved. I can't imagine anybody's really enjoying this. So um, all of the people involved in this are around Fail Better Games, AK's old studio, the one I used mm. to work at. They're all- Where we met and began a romance. Yeah, which they knew about, but yeah. but yeah. So all of this comes back fundamentally to, to Fail Better Games. So rather than approach individuals, because I'm aware that some people might perceive that as some, you know, some sort of threat or whatever, which obviously we don't want to do, we decided to speak sort of politely and honorably to the company um, where all of this coalesced and suggest a variety of ways that we think we could resolve the problem and all move on with our lives. So that's things like um, we put in a request for various bits of information that have been used to suggest that we're bad people, um, which we know is taken out of context. So things like our HR records or chat logs, which you know have either been taken out of context and misrepresented, or in some cases, I think, invented wholesale. But it's hard to tell because they won't let us see any of the records. Yeah, they said no, and then they threatened to sue us. So that didn't go very well. Um, so we said... And they accused, they accused me of tweeting menacing narrative poetry. Menacing poetry at the narrative director. It is true. Yeah. Um, and so we said, uh, how about mediation? Because I, my personal view of this whole thing is it's rumours that have essentially got out of hand. And if anybody had spoken to anybody else at any point over the last mm. like, seven years, that we none of us would be in this situation because I'm sure it's crossed wires and miscommunication. So I know that if we sit down and talk to people, we can even everything out and like write some wrong ideas. I, mean, I think sides. a lot of us would just be pissed off with a lot of the rest of us. No, but, I think, but that's why we're doing but mediation, I think, right? To, I be, think to be polite I and, 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 you know, positive rather than just being like, well, you ruined my life for and two that's years. that's the thing, you know, you, 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 one of the problems with, with cancelling people is, is it, it works if you live in a society where you can imprison them or fire them into space or set fire to them. But, you know, we, in a, a liberal democracy, we all have to live with the people we've cancelled. And I think a lot of, a lot of the people who went after us sort of thought, you know, we'd, we'd be wiped off the face of the earth. And I think they genuinely, after people sort of exploded in a shower of spite on social media, they weren't sure what to do next and some of a bit of well, because I think So I think we probably our, can work through it. I, I'm sure that's true. Um, so, so we're hoping that we can convince people to mediate with us because we think that's just the best way forward. And so far, they have said no, but we're going to keep trying. Um, and the last thing that we have suggested that we could think of that might resolve this in a sort of grown-up way rather than slagging each other off on Twitter, which I'm not a fan of, um, is an independent investigation um, because there are two conflicting narratives here. There's that Alexis was some sort of troll king for, for seven years while he ran Fail Better. And everyone was um, terrified of me. And everyone was terrified of you and you were hateful. Yeah. And then there's our narrative, which is backed up by facts, which is that isn't true. Um, and But we can't resolve that mm. between the two sides of the dispute. So we suggested that Fail Better and By The Factory would both 
um, agree on a neutral third party investigator. So there's no suggestion of bias or anyone being anyone's mate. Um, we would jointly pay for it. So again, there was no undue um, pressure exerted on the um, person doing the report. And we would agree upfront to abide by whatever that report came back with. Um, and, and we really agree with that. So we, you know, we know that Alexis hasn't been horrible to people, but, but it were a report to come back and say otherwise, if we had agreed that upfront, we would abide by it. Because then at least we'd have like a, a kind of point of agreement. Mm. Um, and equally, as you can imagine, they said no, and then called you names. Um, so to date, we have not been super successful in convincing anyone to behave like an adult. But I don't want to be Ducati about it, because honestly, I do. I just, I would quite like my life back, and I would like you to have your life back too. And yeah. I imagine that people over there are also quite fed up with having to field difficult questions. Yeah, uh, that's what I mean. I can't believe why yeah. who would find this fun. So I think, you know, <laughs> it's basically if we sit down and talk about it, we could probably get out a joint statement together through gritted teeth and get the hell on yeah. with making games. and and Which is all we want. Yeah. Yeah. So that's our sad tale. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so crazy. It's So why do you think, I mean, there, this brings up so many questions, really. I mean, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> what, I mean, it, for one thing, I, I'm curious your experience when these when these um, I guess all the allegations were made on Twitter. Is is that correct? Originally, yeah, yes. yeah. all of them remain it's, on social media. Yeah, it's it's a strange play. I've always been baffled by why people would first of all make accusations on Twitter rather than through a more official channel. Um, but then this just got picked up by the gaming press. And what was your experience? Uh, kind of like when when these when the articles about this were being published, were you being contacted by by journalists? Where did you feel like they were representing your side of the story, or was it mostly just um, sort of this snowballing rumor mill? So. I mean, it was absolutely awful. It was hands down the worst experience of my life. Um, you basically couldn't speak for several days because you were so crushed by the whole thing. Um, and that's the time when journalists tend to get in touch with you, when you're at your most emotional and like, what the hell is going on? Mm. Um, so it was an interesting experience in hindsight. I mean, when you see um, somebody accused of something nasty and their response in press, it tends to be quite anodyne and quite sort of corporate sounding. And I've always wondered about that. I've always thought, you know, mm. if that person is, isn't, is, isn't guilty, wouldn't they be like, for God's sake, I'm so innocent. And the thing is, I wanted to go on Twitter right away. Yeah, and I'm glad and you say, didn't. And I'm glad I didn't because we got a piece of really useful advice up front, which made us rethink the whole situation, which was... Um, which was uh, from a PR specialist who we'd been like, help, what do we do? Um, he, he said, um, you can't respond to individual allegations because you, it's on Twitter, so you just won't be able to see all of the individual yeah. stuff. And if you mm -hmm. miss out any allegation, mm -hmm. the implication is that you did do that one. So you'll hang yourself with your own rope if you try and respond individually right now. So the, the advice that people are given in a crisis like this, I now know, is um, give a really boring response initially. When the press come knocking, you don't say, here is my life story and here's why I didn't do it. You say, either I did do it, I'm sorry, or in our case, I absolutely didn't do it and we can, we can prove it. Um, but that's it. You don't give any GC details. And I think journalists are disappointed by that because obviously they want a great story. Um, but we were in no state to form sentences, never mind speak to the press about an incredibly sensitive topic that was all about our sex lives and our, and our future. So 
our approach was basically to try not to kill ourselves for a couple of weeks, which we managed, hooray. Mm. And then when we were feeling a bit better, AK published um, a much longer blog post, which went through all the details of the allegations against him and said, you know, I, I think you said that the thing you did feel bad about was dumping Olivia for me and then continuing to work with her because mm. that was just messy. And, you know, you tried your best, but, but you copped to that and said that was just a screw up. But yeah, the other stuff here it is in context, which is basically dating consensually around every period of 10 years. Yeah. Um, and, and that has been portrayed as a sort of career of predation rather than what it is, which is a man like dating different people in games. Um, so yeah, that, that was how we dealt with the press. And I have no idea if we had done a different approach, if the press would have been kinder. Um, I, I know that the press are just looking for a story. They're not necessarily trying to destroy either side of an argument. Um, but I can tell you from personal experience of having the worst time of your life, being contacted by press yeah. is, is the worst possible time to have anything to say to them. I think a lot of the press who did publish something about it at the time, and it was basically all the games press, I think the... the, the what's the phrase I'm looking for? I don't agree with everything that was written about us, but I think given that it looked like a big story was breaking and I was going to turn out to be a monster and supposedly mm. of the dozens of women, I have sympathy for people who shopped first and asked questions later. That's a really good point because a lot of the stuff that, that initially hit was a sort of intimation that there were yeah. lots of stories that were going to come out. Yeah. And two years mm. down the line, everyone knows what we know, which is that there are not lots of stories that are going to come out. It was all rumour mongering and kind of hysteria um and i totally can see a neutral journalist seeing those initial allegations and thinking oh my gosh we've got something really big here um and then that does not really happening i am i think there's journalists who added my reply as an update to the articles and i think i my response to those is more sympathetic than the journalists who let the original accusation stand without adding my response. Yeah. To be fair, my response was three weeks after we were first approached for comment. I was basically in bed crying um, and Lottie had my phone, uh, but we didn't give a statement. I think the other thing that I am disappointed by, uh, let me be very tactful about this. One of the two women who accused me of being, quote, an abuser, unquote, said I had been her manager for two years and I'd been in a relationship with her the whole time and that's and you'd kept it a secret and I kept it secret um, and and as I said in my blog post response that's just flatly not true uh we had an on-off thing long before the short period of time um during which I was her manager uh and she so, wasn't in games originally and she wasn't in games originally when we met there was no professional relationship when we we first began our, our, our on-off thing so the whole thing is skanky and silly and i have more to say about my skanky silliness in a moment but um but it just wasn't true that i began a relationship with her while i was her manager the only person in the world i've ever begun a relationship with while i was her manager was lottie or perhaps you began it with me i don't know well, the, the, yeah employee not even management the only employee you have ever started a relationship that's with true is me yeah. And and I can say that he's been such a gentleman that I'm marrying you. <laughs> and so, if like, the pandemic will fucking stop for, for, for 20 seconds, well, so we can get the idea, all, yeah. all, all, but, all but the key thing is, you know, I think a lot of people who heard those initial allegations two years later, if they listen to this podcast or they hear this on the on the internet, they will be astonished that this is a fact. But, but I'm quite upset that, you know, that, that first tweet was 
immediately provably untrue. 15 seconds of Googling Olivia, I won't say her name because it seems to be giving this person's name, LinkedIn, um, would have thrown up the fact that it was verifiably untrue. Yeah. And nobody who reports on it did the 15 seconds Googling. And again, yeah. I do have, I don't really sanctimonious about it, I do have some sympathy because I know the pressures and the deadlines that some journalists work under. But this but is for your Pete's life. Sake, <laughs> exactly, this is my freaking life. Yeah. This is, and it's my life, and it's your life, and it's my mother's life, and it's your mother's life, and it's my kid's life, and it's our fucking it's, cat's life. And it's so, not been fun. And it's not been fun. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, um, you know, in in the Me Too move, you know, the Me Too movement or whatever, um, you know, there were there were a lot of powerful people who were accused or who were, you know, found guilty of abuse. But one of the things that, you know, rigorous reporting involves with something like this, that is such a, a serious accusation. Uh, is, you know, investigating the claims and finding, you know, finding real patterns, talking to, you know, not just the accuser, but the accuser's friends. I mean, with a lot of these cases, you've seen very rigorous reporting that's involved in, in vetting accusers and, and finding out what happened before going to press at all. So it's, it's, it's always surprising to me when, when we see articles, I guess it's not surprising to me, <laughs> not anymore, but we often see like, these sort of um, these articles that 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 come out the moment after some tweets are made, without any sort of fact checking, without any sort of investigation whatsoever, and to base an entire an entire article or blog post on well, initially on some tweets, and then mm-hmm. often on some other article that that they've read is mm-hmm. it seems pretty irresponsible, um, especially since as you said, they, these are not super. This is we're not dealing with like. Uh, major exposés on all the things that you've done these are these are some tweets that are fairly vague uh and and so so that i i i just don't i don't understand the tendency that 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 i see i don't know if you followed the um the hogwarts legacy oh um, god yeah work actually yeah poor guy and and yeah yeah, you you said well you you said because it was your uh your scoop i guess that they, they got the job title wrong haven't they they did. I, I did too at first because I, um, you know, I saw all these articles that described his job as a um, what was it, lead designer. And then he, he was actually just a senior. He was not just it, but he was a senior producer rather than a lead designer. I mean, he was at one point a lead designer on that game, but hadn't been for years. And so it's, it's it, you know, if, if you're seeing dozens of articles that are getting that kind of detail wrong, it's also like how many other details are they getting wrong? And, um, you know, this is just something we see over and over again, uh, not just in the game press, but in the press in general, where a story will get picked up and then it'll be regurgitated over and over again and sort of expanded. Yeah. And that, and, and then we see a narrative around either a subject or a person or a story that narrative forms and, and the, the truth of it, whatever that truth is, is buried mm. so deep under all these, you know, echoing sort of doppelganger articles that, that it's impossible to find anymore. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I am, you know, as, as someone who observes this, but has, hasn't really been, you know, in, in, in any kind of situation like you've been put through, it is, it's, it's uh, eye-opening to see it from your, from your perspective and what that experience must be like. Yeah, I think, envy you. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Well, go on. Well, I was going to say, I suspect a large part of it is is the scoop, right? Because this stuff breaks on Twitter. Twitter is an ephemeral 
platform and people mm. are talking about it. So if you want people to click on your article, it might be wiped off the face of the earth by tomorrow because it's it's social media. So you want to get in now. So I understand that. I do think it's telling that I was contacted by one journalist alone for, for an actual discussion of what had happened. Um, and that journalist, I think, was the most prominent journalist in games at the time. Um, and he I asked guess me, who that is, probably. And he asked me, <laughs> yes, you've correctly guessed. A number of questions. Um, and I answered um, truthfully and cautiously. Um, and I think it is very telling that he is the one journalist who did not then go on to write an article. Mm. Um, and I suspect it was because the moment you look at the detail and the truth of what happened to us, and I'm not being sort of red, red stringy, the truth. I mean, like if you look at any kind of facts and details, it, the immediate sense is at least that it's a bit more complicated than it was presented as. Um, and I suspect that once you've done that research as a journalist, you're much less likely to go ahead with allegations that you think maybe aren't necessarily totally backed up. Whereas if you don't do that initial research, you can quite happily say, well, this person says this on, on Twitter. So I'm just reporting what they say. I'm not actually kind of putting myself on the line yeah. as, as saying I, I kind of promote or endorse this story. And that doesn't really change the effect on us as the people who are subject of that horrible story. But I, I can see from the journalist's point of view um, that you've got a time pressure and you don't, maybe don't want to get too involved in something that's a bit icky because it is basically a sex scandal. <laughs> my, my ex-wife, who notoriously... Uh, described me, she said, you're a bit of a dick, but you're no abuser, uh, which, uh, you know, she, she's Croatian, she's very blunt. Uh, she used to work for the BBC, and she she wasn't actually a reporter, she was she was um, on, the, on the tech side, but um, she said, even there, and even, this must have been five, six years ago now, there was a real debate about being right versus being first. And on mm. one side, people were saying... And obviously, largely won out. We are the most trusted news organization in the world, and you can't regain trust once it's gone. And on the other hand, the people saying, Yeah, but being the most trusted news organization in the world is worthless if nobody reads you. And if everyone else gets the news first, then they do. And I, you know, I see that's a real temptation. But again, we come back to these are people's lives. That's the thing. I would feel desperately uncomfortable making a game about something that I wasn't absolutely certain of. Mm. And I know a game is a longer term prospect, but this is our this is our like article, I suppose. This is how we would get our stuff out there. And I think I, I was gonna say the other side of it is so that's the carrot, you know, that's why why it gets reported on and and, and everybody gets a little now again that sounded quite cynical. I was gonna say everybody gets a little buzz out of hitting retweet um, on this man's a monster. Some people uh, you know, do get a little righteous buzz. Other people, I'm sure, genuinely believe they are spreading Protecting the word women, about yeah. a, You know, I might jump out of a bush at any moment. But <laughs> I could be in that bush over there. And uh, but but the the stick is that, and you will know this because you will have spoken to people on and off the record. Everyone's fucking terrified, and uh, you know, journalists as much as anyone. And so, if somebody sides with someone who's unclean or has the wrong opinions, that, that can that can be career-ending. And oh, yeah. our overwhelming impression... that So the last two years have varied from shit to pretty much fine. You know, and the shit bit has been, um, besides having... Um, the effect of mass public shaming has on your mental health is very hard to describe, uh, unless you've been there or unless you read John... 
uh, Ronson's excellent book on it. It's it's I've I've said before I've been through a bad divorce and I've been through a close family suicide, and this was worse than either of those. There's just no competition because everybody who you respect in the world is. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's no fun, and and, and I, uh, you know, I think in the end you, you took me to the GP, and I was sort of crying and incoherent and saying, "Please put me on some sort of pill." So they did, uh, and I, I got better. But you know, after that, we we got as Lottie says, every time we have some sort of success, somebody will pop up and try to ruin our day. Yeah. Uh, so we got a grant from the from Creative Europe uh, last year because they're making a narrative game about a library. And, and I did all of the work on that grant. Can I just say? As and Lottie did did all the work <laughs> on the grant, and, and when we got it. But this uh, is salient. It's a salient point. It's not just me banging my own drum. It's because when when it was announced, um, we got uh, the second nastiest round of press we've ever got, other than the initial yeah. coverage of the tweets back in 2019. Uh, we got a lot of game developers, um, some of whom we'd actually met in real life, but but most of whom had never met either of us ever, um, rallying to convince the European Union to remove our funding because Alexis was a known sex offender. And like none of that is true. Right. And, and I'm it, not a sex and offender was, and I'm not known to be a sex offender. And, and it wasn't really anything to do with you. It's my studio as well. I'm a co-founder and I own the company as well. So it's my work that you're destroying through yeah. allegations about him that no one's bothered to investigate and aren't true anyway. Um, and and it was very, very, very upsetting. Um, but I think that... The, oh, sorry. Is there, no, no. I was just going to say, what we have come to realise is that... Um, it looks like the internet hates you and the internet doesn't hate you. A small number of very vocal people hate you yeah. or, or say that they hate you because it gets them tweets or, or, or whatever. But we got, thank Christ. And if you're listening to this and you're one of those people, uh, thank you. It really made a difference. We, we got 80, 100, um, 100 plus, definitely. 100 plus messages, Twitter DMs, emails. I couldn't, I couldn't look at email for the first uh, few weeks. I had to give Lottie my phone because I... Uh, it's so I, Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when we looked at it, all these people saying everything from, you seem to have been a bit of a, a, a naughty boy, but um, it doesn't look like you actually did anything bad. So people say, Jesus Christ, I can't believe what's going on. This is insane. Um, and I'm still your friend and I still you know, believe you. Yeah. Uh, and a couple of in the middle saying... I don't know what to believe, and I think you should take a searching moral inventory, which which I I found difficult, but I can I can respect. And so, you know, a couple of couple of stories, being very careful not to identify the individuals in question. We got two people who worked. I was going to say those. You tell the story. Oh, well, fortunately, I can't remember the name, so I'm I'm absolutely sure bet to not reveal yeah. anybody. Um, so we got two separate emails from um, two individuals in uh, the indie game scene. One of whom I believe was the CEO of the company, or, or possibly COO, but C, somebody very C, C level of a small studio, um, a small and company. someone who I think was a, was a programmer or somebody you know who wasn't necessarily on kind of board level. And both of them said almost exactly the same thing, which was privately, I think what's happened to you is horrible and I'm really sorry and I hope you're okay. I wish I could say this publicly, but I'm worried what my workplace will think <laughs> if I express my opinion outwardly. And we were there like with these emails side by side being like, you, might, you probably sit opposite each other in an office. Like if you knew that both of you felt strongly about this. And I think one of the really telling things is that it's, uh, you know what you're going to get if you retweet something that you know the internet likes. So if you retweet an allegation by a woman against a man, Broadly speaking, everyone thinks that's that's a good act and, and it's a kind of positive experience. If we retweet something counter-culturally, um, often 
you come in for for a lot of um, anger in response to that. So these people, who m- most of whom again we hadn't met, um, messaging us privately, they didn't know what we were going to do with those messages. Mm. We could have outed them. They put themselves on the line by saying something that would often get them fired, if not absolutely pilloried by the internet and kind of driven to to out of the industry or possibly out of life. Um, and, and they still felt strongly enough to message us. So so as AK said, that really really mattered at the time because it reminded us that that the horror that we were seeing online right now was not representative of the whole world yeah um and i think it speaks volumes about there being a significant majority i would say of people who who feel that this is not necessarily the most productive way to resolve issues in games or anywhere else but nobody is going to talk about it publicly because why on earth would you put your head on that chopping block unless someone puts it there for you like we've talked a lot about it obviously we have very strong feelings about this is not helpful or Mm. even if you did what you were accused of doing it's such a horrible experience that nobody deserves this um but we have talked often about what we would do if we saw somebody going through the experience that we went through and I think, honestly, we probably wouldn't necessarily say something publicly. And partly that's because we're covered I in know. gasoline. And there have been people... Yeah. <laughs> but, but how terrible is that? No, I know. I think... I, 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 mean, I feel now, bad about that. Now, I would absolutely say something publicly. And the only reason... There have been a couple of occasions... Where that's true. I haven't really got anything else to lose. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Well, some of the people we've known have been cancelled and, and, and I've, I've offered my support. Um, but in both cases, you know, I think of... You know, people have not necessarily wanted support from somebody else who might attract more, yeah. more lightning. Yeah. But I was just going to read the one of the emails we got um, later on. This was 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 about Christmas when Lottie recorded a Christmas message to Indie Games. I saying, forgot about that. Please, can we be nice to each other, everyone? That, I mean, could we just behave like adults? Yeah, that would be great. Not, not be dicks. <laughs> I just watched your video, Lottie, and agree with it. I thought what happened to you both, and also to my friend, to Talakalov, was really awful. I'm one of Many people who I've spoken to who did not join in because we knew what was going on was hideous. But I am also too cowardly to say what I think in public, so I'm also afraid of the mob, and my career depends on not stirring them up. Plus, I'm midway through a game that I've received funding for, and I cannot afford to rock the boat and cause a problem with that. Anyway, I'm sorry for my lack of support. I hope that you are both able to slowly heal and move forward in the best way possible. And, you know, I don't love getting an email like that from somebody who I had um, helped yeah. and... Uh, supported in my time months after it happened but I I, understand I get them it, and also a lot of people didn't freaking know I really might have turned out to have been yeah. CD does you know I mean I think the one thing I do want to say is a shout out to Jonas Karatsis the um, uh, narrative <laughs> designer and writer um, of uh, the Talos project and uh, uh, the uh, a bunch of uh, uh, other stuff and um, he's been an indie since there were indies really one of the very first um, and he's built up a career by being talented and unusual, not giving a fuck what anyone thinks. Yeah. And he basically went on Twitter when the whole thing broke and told everyone they should be ashamed of themselves. And I think he was probably the only person who did that. And Jonas is, has been cancelled twice. <laughs> and is a sort yeah. of uh, small, fierce, brilliant Greek man, doesn't give a fuck. So, <laughs> Yeah, I'm familiar with him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, I've, I've interacted with him some on Twitter and whatnot. He's fun, right? Yeah, he is. And he really, he really doesn't have any patience for the uh, the purity mob. I, I feel like, yeah, I, I think for some people, if they don't, I mean, if they're not afraid because they just they don't they don't feel like they they have anything to lose. Like they're going to this is who they are, and they're not going to, you know, uh, back down from from confrontation or you know, and they're not trying to be popular in the first place. And that's difficult, I'm sure. When you know, it's difficult for journalists. It's because the press has become. Uh, really kind of captured by this this entire sort of um, 
I want to say woke, but this whole this whole mentality more than anything, um, because I get I get messages that are very similar to this, uh, to what you're talking about. Not because I've gone through anything like that, but um, because I write about things that that are unpopular and from a perspective that is unpopular. And people, you know, in game development, people in the press will message me and say, I really appreciate what you're writing about. And I appreciate you covering this. I can't say it publicly because of the, you know, the same yeah. reasons that you guys are giving. And that to me is a little sad because I feel like, you know, if more people, because, because what we end up seeing instead is there are people, there are the, the only people that do say anything or that do sort of speak out are, are really like vocal right-wingers who are, you know, are yes. doing their own, like, their own attempt at, at, at getting clicks, their own attempt at baiting and outrage. And they're, you know, they're just, they're providing yeah. the sort of the, 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 the opposite. But I, I think people who aren't the opposite, who just want decency and accountability and, you know, ethical behavior and they don't yeah. want mob rule. I do think that at a certain point, people do need to say no more. Like we are going to stand up to this. And I know that that's hard because it's when it's your job, that's in quite that's that's in question. That's that's really tough. You've got to you've got to pay the bills. You've got to take care of your families. We were uh, we were we were this close. We were this close uh, to to losing our livelihoods. Uh, if if if, uh, if Weather Factory had been a little bit less successful, uh, then we 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 yeah we 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 would have lost our jobs. I'd be finding another way to feed my child. I did read. And, um, sorry, go on. Uh, and uh, and one of the things I, was, I think I was actually going to talk about what you read. So you you say it. Well, I was I was going to say I read a piece I think in one of the major British newspapers recently about um, a kind of retrospective on on council culture or however you want to term it. And one of the things that really struck me was the fact that apparently, according to this journalist who isn't me, um, uh, this sort of mob stuff inordinately affects kind of the little guy because if it's a big celebrity people have an emotional attachment to that person which means one the full thing is covered so we found that we got coverage of all the horrible stuff initially and then nobody mm. will ever talk to us ever again so because we're no... just famous enough to matter for a story but not famous enough for anyone to give a damn afterwards yeah. um mm -hmm. but, but no yes so we found that that is true whereas if mm. if you're a big a-list celeb a lot of people like you and kind of make excuses for your behavior. I mean, there are some things that people struggle to excuse. Like if there's a very specific allegation, that's really horrible. Obviously, most people would be like, that's pretty bad. But but if it's something that you were accused of, like just kind of being a bit of a rake and sleeping around and maybe you shouldn't have done that. Then if, if you're, you know, George Clooney, people are like, oh, but he's so handsome. Or like, oh, but I loved him in that film. <laughs> not that George Clooney's ever been accused of anything. Not that George Clooney's yeah. ever done anything because his wife <laughs> is a very terrifying lawyer. So yeah. love you guys. You're great. But, but you know what I mean? Like people kind of find a way to kind of weave it into the mythology of those mm. celebrities. Whereas when you're actually a real yeah. person like us, who, as you say, are just, well, he's just big enough to matter, but not big enough to care about, then then there's none of that. There's just, okay, we can throw that person by the wayside and it doesn't really matter. I mean, I have mixed feelings when you say real person, because everyone who, there are people who have been cancelled, have been publicly shamed, who are, I'm sure, sociopaths who genuinely don't give a fuck and could just, you know, live off the in, um income from the interest from their last five movies and live in Malibu until the fuss dies down and not care. But I'm sure for mo every celebrity, as far as I know, is a human being who came out of another human being and has a functioning heart and brain. And, uh, you, you know, maybe occasional exceptions, but, but that, that's the case. If you've got a million people screaming at you that you're shit and you should kill yourself, 
then you start wanting to do that. Yeah, and you're right, and that's a good point for empathy. It wasn't quite what I was leading towards, yeah. which is just that if you're big enough, you, you have a mythology that is often bigger than the yeah, ne- negative stuff that you've got. Whereas I think the most press that we've ever received, mm. the most views, has been about this allegation that isn't true. And it's very difficult for us as two people in a flat um, with a story that lots of people don't want to tell because mm. it's kind of difficult and a lot of people will get cross with them if they tell it. It's very difficult for us to build a new narrative, mm. either that, that, that challenges the existing one um, and says this isn't true or that just moves on um, and and says you know well, well even if you were awful which you weren't but even if you were mm. uh, you're now in a flat working with your fiance so so realistically what women are in danger in this current situation like so so that I think is particularly difficult but I was going back to your point about um, it would be nice to see some some more moderate voices talking openly about some stuff that maybe they didn't agree with I had that direct experience myself because my my personal monstering came out of me writing a, a response to this nastiness obviously you wrote a specific rebuttal mm. of the actual allegations which I couldn't do because I'm not him and I wasn't there personally but I did write um a feminist's uh, opinion on the experience of cancel culture and some some major flaws that I had seen from being on the wrong side of it and that really got under people's noses. Um, a lot of people responded and said, this is, the, this is the most sensible kind of commentary I've seen on, on the movement. And I'm really glad to basically hear somebody who isn't a sort of screaming Nazi say that maybe it's a bit more complicated than that. Um, but obviously I got a lot of people, particularly um, women, I'm sorry to say, um, who, who were very angry at me and said I had betrayed women and that I was a bad feminist. And, and all I was saying was this does not chime with my direct experience which I don't think anyone could contravene. And I absolutely made a point of not being mean or aggressive or anything. And people just wouldn't have a, a controversial opinion. So, And again, you know, Eric, I, I, I really hear you when you say it's always the, the freaking right wing who do it. It's the screaming Nazis. Who <laughs> raised. And it, it just, you know, every time I hear um, <laughs> your thankfully ex-president say, I mean, I'm assuming you're not a Trump voter. Is that, is that a... <laughs> Okay. Established as a long-life Democrat. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, you know, every time he says something about cancel culture, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> Shut no, up. Shut up. I'm, You're not I'm, helping. I'm, no, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. And, and it's just, I think, you know, it's a, at least two effects. One is that a lot of the voices are freaking weird. And two, you don't change people's minds by, by scolding them. And people get freaking radicalised. So I felt like after the... Um, after I'd been uh, savaged, like if my, what are they called, medicine balls, those big weighted leather things that you, you toss around the place? I don't know, big weight, weight pretend leather you have things anyway. I felt like, you know, my opinions always been sort of firmly left liberal. And it's like somebody had wound up and they'd taken a really hard kick at it and it moved like mm. an inch to the right. And I'm still left liberal. And I'm still anti-Brexit, and I voted and green all my British life. Liberal, and British liberal, uh, and lefty, you know, lefty, and 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 I still uh, value religious tolerance and freedom of speech and um, uh, uh, social support for uh, the less fortunate and redistribution of wealth and all those things. But it's just you know, it's really strange the experience of feeling like my world you've been slightly adjusted and if i had had less firm opinions i think i, I if there's one thing that will make you a screaming nazi 
it's people who say, you're a screaming Nazi, so we hate you. <laughs> and they're all screaming Nazis going, yeah, fucking woke, come and have a beer with us. And that, that's, that's how you do it. And I think it's not helpful to think that, that bad people are born, not made, and that either you get the good people or you get the bad people. And all we have to do is cancel all the bad people. And then we've got paradise because that's Animal Farm and that didn't end well. <laughs> yeah, this whole idea of red pilling is interesting, right? These, the, 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 to me, it's like, I don't think I've moved to the right at all. I think that what passes as the left has shifted. And I don't even think it necessarily more to the left. I think that the scolding, canceling, language policing and all of that is a new form of politics that just doesn't really jibe with mine. You know, this this idea that, that we should cancel games before they come out because they could potentially harm people yeah. is, you know, radical. It's a radical anti-free speech, anti-free expression position that I don't think has any place on the left. I mean, that's what the right did. That's what, you know, it was the right that was trying to ban video games because they were too violent or they, you know, ban music or, you know, all these things. That's that's a right winger. This is this is it. I feel like we've, we've had this conversation. We had it in the 80s. We had people yeah. saying you can't play D&D because the devil will get you. You can't listen to music because it will make you go out and have sex with people. And we can't uh, let you read um, Marx because otherwise you might end up voting for the wrong party. And, you know, it happened... Before that, in the fifties, uh, with McCarthyism, and it happened, um, with, you know, I guess with the left and the right wing in different ways in in, in our country. But it is it is traditionally a right wing thing, and I think the desire to impose, not the desire to impose, the the, the desire to identify people as undesirable, and then exclude them socially. Is, is, is nothing to do with being liberal or left-wing. It's just something that some people who identify as liberal and left-wing do. But it's very hard to resist that because, you know, all, we don't reason through all our beliefs. Not everything I've ever um, espoused or, or voted for is a result of me sitting down and reading three books on political philosophy. Mostly it's, it's you know, shit, that guy who I trust uh, says that... that, that uh, Brexit be a bad thing. Well, I think it's probably right. Maybe I'm going to read up on it, but that's that's you know where you get your opinions is mm. is from fellow travellers. And it's you said at the beginning, I think that you know the culture has changed. And I really it feels like you know a weather system has sort of moved mm-hmm. on, and and somehow those of us who actually care about the core tenets of not being shitty to people and, and allowing people to live their lives have somehow been left behind. Yeah, it's a strange shift. I think I think it's it's really hard. I, I want to. I want to figure it out and I'm not sure it's possible. I think that there's that, that it started in universities and has then uh, seeped into the press and into the broader culture in general. I mean, and you see a lot of this sort of, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's mostly language, I think, and, and not much action. And you see kind of this, the rise of this uh, I've heard people call it diversity incorporated, right? Uh, This, all these, all these attempts by like, big corporations to sort of act as though they're very, uh, you know, tolerant and woke and all this. And, um, you know, and it's sort of, it's just, it's, it's creeping into every single industry. Um, I saw a publisher tweet the other day that if, you know, if, if they get a manuscript from a, from a, an aspiring um, white man, they probably aren't going to get their book published. 
because they're not looking for young white men anymore. And, you know, while I'm all for diversity and all for, you know, increasing opportunity for everyone, it's kind of a, a depressing outlook for the future for a lot of people, I think. Um, so it's a weird, it's just, it's, it's, it's come almost out of the blue, but it's also been building, I think, for a while. And I think it's just perfect for social media, this, the dogpiling, mm. the, the, the casting of villains, uh, it doesn't matter if it's true. Yeah. It just matters if the right people are saying it, you know? Um, and if enough people say it over and over and over again, then that becomes the truth. And that's all that matters, um, regardless of whether there's any... I think fact. I used to be a lot more a lot more naive about social media and, and, and it, you, you know, I'm quite biased uh, because our lives were uh, shredded by a social media-based attack. But But it's like an accelerant. It doesn't start the fire in itself. But it just means it goes very... If you had to write a letter by hand or type it and post it to denounce somebody or, 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 or to complain to the local paper about something, then, you know, you really had to care and you probably were going to stand by what you said. But if you're sitting on the toilet or standing on the train <laughs> looking at Twitter and you see somebody who you admire or fancy or are afraid of... Um, down somebody all you need to do is hit the like button mm. that's it uh, it's, it's a half second engagement you might never think about it again yeah but the person who looks at the tweet we even announce them they they will think about it and that will change their life well i mean yeah. so so we've obviously thought a lot about what happened to us over the last two years because we're still trying to escape it um in, in basically every way um and i worked out that in the original cancellation in august 2019 there were around ten thousand people who were involved in your denunciation. Mm. And I don't think I'm going to meet 10,000 people in my life. I think no. that the amount of people who had any direct knowledge of anything that was discussed at all on any platform at that time. Who'd think, been in the room or were the people who, or, you know, any of that. I could count on one hand. Um, but because the numbers were so big, because it blew up on, on mm. Twitter, that gave it a lot of social proof. And a lot of people thought, well, this many people wouldn't be retweeting something. You know, if you, occasionally you see a sort of mad post or a post that says something like, this person did something awful to me and it's got five likes. And you're a bit like, eh, I'm not really sure what to think about that. But you see something that's got 500,000 likes and you think, I need to engage with this because that, that must be something that everyone knows that I didn't or that I suspected and now I know is true. Um, and it's got... Well, well, just it's, it's such a sort of, it's just a different reality because... That is really convincing, you know, but those people had no idea whether mm -hmm. it was true or not. Mm -hmm. And and yet by just interacting with it because they were on the loo, as you say, yeah. you know, they, they lent to even more kind of credibility, even though they, that wasn't necessarily what they intended. And I'm certain that the vast majority of those 10,000 people haven't haven't ever thought about you ever again. No. Because well, I saw I saw somebody who said, uh, you know, I, I'm a nobody and I live in like Scotland and I, I, I'd heard rumours about Alexis Kennedy you know, way back when, so it must be true. If I'd heard rumours, yeah. I mean, yeah. I believe they live in Arkansas uh, specifically. Oh, I, I changed the names. I didn't want to <laughs> to help them, but uh, the you know, you probably do know this because it's such a fun fact. Um, Four percent of Americans, according to a public policy polling poll, believe that the world is ruled by shape-shifting reptilians who drink human blood. Now, so that's 12 million people. Now, I, I suspect, you know, a lot of them just said it because lol, and a lot of them thought it said 
you sort of think reptilians in South America or, or something. And a lot of, you know, some people are, are mentally ill and some people um, are trying to fuck with the polars and, and, and all the rest of it. So probably not 12 million people actually have that as their considered opinion. But can you imagine, you know, if, if 12 million people retweeted a tweet that said reptilians around the world, it would be difficult not to take it seriously, but it would be insane. And that's the problem with social proof, is that it, it, there's such a low bar to it getting started. And then and then once it's got started, uh, it, it keeps on rolling. And I think that's, you're right, some of this started in universities. And it starts in universities because people are young, enthusiastic, they talk to each other. Uh, so it's very easy for ideas to get around and for people to be enthusiastic about them. When I was at university, I, 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 uh, I spoke to somebody at the Christian Union. And at that time, I was sort of a vaguely pagan-inclined atheist. And so we didn't have many uh, uh, ideas in common. But I said something about the virtues of keeping an open mind. And this person thought about it and said, with an absolute straight face, I don't think we're really supposed to have an open mind because we already know the things that are right. And if you keep an open mind, then we might start believing the wrong things instead. And the thing is, if you subscribe to a worldview that says we have the truth and everyone else is wrong, then that's a rational thing to do, right? And if they got you early, if you're 19 and the, the Christians or the communists or the Nazis or whoever it is uh, get to you and, and you soak it up, then then uh, it, it may take you three years to, to get out of it. You may never get out of it. But mm -hmm. This is true. Yeah, it's a little frightening. It's also why arguing with people online is so pointless 99% yeah. of the time. So I wonder why I do it sometimes. I'm like, why are you arguing with people on Twitter again? They're not going to change their mind about this. Uh, although sometimes, you never know, it does happen. I think the thing, the thing is, for every person, and again, this goes back to our experience of, of you know, the vocal minority of, I can't say haters anymore, just Trump. Uh, cat. Uh, our cat just knocked over Lottie's guitar. Uh, Sorry about that. Uh, professional. Uh, the, 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 the Twitter angry, you know, there's a minority of the shouting, majority of people just kind of going, well, you know, what, what, what should we do? And uh, it's often the people who are listening or watching who change their minds. You're not necessarily arguing with the person who's talking nonsense. You know, you're, 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 you're saying things for... Uh, for everyone else, and we have yeah, most people don't, right? Most, most people, people aren't work. engaging. They're not. They're not arguing. They're not on Twitter. Most people are, are are not participating in that. They're they're listening. They're observing or whatever. Yeah. What were you going to say? Um, I was going to say um, that one of the few rays of light that we have seen about this topic is that we have had a couple of messages since you know, in the last year, I would mm. say, from people who explicitly said, at the time, I didn't know what to believe. Um, so, so you know, they neither stood up for us. And I don't know if they retweeted or liked anything, mm. but but they didn't say anything particularly horrible about us. But having seen how it's played out over the last two years, or one year, whenever it was they emailed us, um, I, I now believe that, you know, this is at, at best... Uh, a very negative portrayal of some facts that aren't that bad and at worst totally totally wrong um and and that encourages me because it feels like people can change their minds but just privately and i guess where we need to get to is the ability for people to say something that yeah. they very strongly at the time and then be able to change their minds without getting shouted at for changing their minds yeah how dare you consider that this opinion might not be 
immediately cancel worthy. Yeah. I was going to say, I think one of the things that I've seen convince some people over the... So we've been very quiet about this for two years because there are a couple of things that happened recently with projects of ours being sabotaged that, that made us decide to start talking about it uh, and also made us uh, follow up with Fail Better to, to try to to sort out mediation because, you know, we, we thought after two years it would have gone away and it, it's got better. It got a lot better, but it hasn't, it hasn't gone away. It still happens. And uh, we've had... You know, besides people saying horrible things on Twitter, and when I say horrible things, I mean things like sex offender and rapist. And um, people have posted photos of uh, my house, my, my old house. Yeah, they couldn't we've been get stalked. Go up on. We've been stalked. We've had poison pen letters. That was yeah. a big one. Uh, we, we had, uh, um, what was it? Somebody posted a picture of my signature and a bunch of weird details from 25 years ago when I was standing as a, uh, a local council candidate for the Green Party in Oxford, whether to pretend they were me or to kind of show that that they could get at myself, I don't know. Our community, somebody sent me a meme they developed to respond to when people like this pop up. Uh, they just say, okay. Uh, and, and there's now, you've got a sort of motivational poster style image of, of just going, okay. Uh, and stalkers coming in and, and yelling about me. Well, you've had people... Uh, organised letter writing campaigns to the European Union to get our funding taken away. We've had people contact Steam and Apple and try to get us delisted uh, from the storefront. Uh, we, uh, I was terrified going back on Twitter, and I was encouraged to because Lottie pointed out I should normalise it and start talking again. Well, I mean, what I was going to say, you know, you're right. I think that arguing with people on the internet is not famously a, a productive way to spend your life. But one of the one of the downsides of it, and we decided not to do it because mm. it was just so upsetting. I mean, I, can't, I would ask people listening to this to think about either being accused of something that they hadn't done, like Alexis was, or um, in my shoes, having their partner, the man they mm. know and love, be accused of this. Um, it's very, very hurtful. So the last thing we want to do is go on Twitter and argue with people we haven't met who won't believe us anyway about stuff that's really hurtful. Um, but the flip side of not doing that, of leaving the internet to do its own thing, is that as it sort of becomes uncontested, which mm. is sort of considered proof in a way. Mm. Um, and so again, that's the thing, like unanswered allegations was the phrase when he came up in the press again with the uh, petitions to, to create a Europe. Mm. Because... You know, like we, we have answered yeah, them. Yeah, we have answered <laughs> we them. We said they're not true. And then we've said, would anyone like to investigate? And then no yeah. one did. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. So I, I, I would strongly advise people to, to not spend their life arguing with people on the internet because it, it will wear them down and make them miserable and probably not have the impact they want. But it is, it is a hard pill to swallow, a bitter pill to swallow, when you're kind of lending your detractors mm. more ammunition by not engaging with it but then you know we were talking earlier about what you're supposed to do in a situation like this when the internet comes for you is you're meant to be on on subreddits at 3am posting whatsapp screenshots from five <laughs> years ago um in response to a medium post that someone wrote that you're yeah. going live receipts. by line saying receipts receipts yeah. and like to be honest i'm not doing that i'm a 31 year old woman i have better things to do with my life than, than any of this but if you don't do that the internet's like but then they mustn't have anything yeah. to say but again and, of course it's not the internet it's three percent or five percent whatever it is of the internet who are all shouting and, yeah, and, and everyone else is going there, there was a, I, I saw somebody else point out that one of the things about twitter is that if you stand up in a room and say uh, and to be clear there are quote marks around what the, the next phrase hitler had some good ideas about the jews which i do not believe <laughs> please don't take that out of context if you stand up in a room and you say that then, you know, people will look at each other and go, what, 
what the fuck? And somebody will probably tap you on the arm and say, you, you've had enough, mate. You've had enough <laughs> to drink. But if you say that on Twitter, and, and, and you're not a, a big name, you probably get a couple of likes from passing loonies. And very few people will say, sorry, what are you talking about? So you get a different kind of reaction. Uh, if you say something outrageous or aggressive, you only see the positive reinforcement. You don't see the negative reinforcement. And again, I think that helps things, things get rolling. But the other thing I want to say, I promised earlier I was going to talk about having been skanky and silly. And oh, Lottie looks a lot. Never, never miss up an opportunity. Yeah. So, so here's here's one of the other other things about the situation that is a freaking missed opportunity. Well, so I said earlier that I um I continued a relationship with uh, someone after I hired them, and that was a mistake. And it was a mistake. But having taken some time to think about it, it wasn't the mistake. The mistake was that. I didn't, when I founded Fair Better Games, put a policy in place about workplace relationships. And the thing is, it's, it's one of those things that you never think you'll need until you need it. And by the time you need it, it's too late. And if else, when I founded Fair Better, it was me. I mean, it was literally me in a room. And then I got a mate to do some art. And that was it. And then uh, we got three more friends in. And, and it just, you know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't a thing. And much later, when we became a quote proper company, unquote, I paid a lawyer, um, two lawyers actually, to, to put together a staff handbook full of things about maternity leave, paternity leave, um, uh, compassionate leave, sick leave, you know, uh, grievance procedures, all the rest of it. And nobody thought to say workplace relationships. But here's the rub. If... Um, the person who I had this on off, the person who I had this on off thing to me and came to me and said, that they said quite often, um, give me a job, I, I want to work in games. Uh, and eventually I said yes, because we needed an editor and they're a good editor. And to be clear, they were a good hire and they improved the quality of every uh, project they worked on, even though they're not on my Christmas card list anymore. But the moment they said, give me a job and we were sleeping together, I could have been in trouble and so could they. If I said, I'm not giving you a job because we're sleeping together, then they might have said, this is a discriminatory hiring based on protected characteristic. If I'd said, I'm going to give you a job, but you have to stop sleeping together, then they might have said, well, that's not fair. If I'd said, I'm going to give you a job, but we have to tell everyone in the company, they could quite easily have said, um, I have a, a right to privacy. Uh, it, it's a human right, and how dare you? But if I'd said, look, there is a rule in the company that says you cannot date co-workers and or if you date co-workers, you have to declare it publicly and or you have to declare it to at least one other person. And that's the basis that it's going to be on. Uh, that would have been difficult, but survivable when we broke up later. And as it was, we just assumed like a billion other people freaking assume that it's going to be fine until one day it's not. Yeah. Because when relationships end, sometimes people behave badly. And I behaved badly. Uh, I hurt her and started going out with someone else. And two, I can't remember, I lost my thread. But I think that's the, the thing is, is in creative industries, games, film, art, theatre, I mean, theatre don't even be started on theatre. Humans, one of the reliable features about humans is that they like banging other humans. I mean, you know, sometimes <laughs> things that are human as well, but, but you know, I don't judge. Uh, 
But... So I think, I think the key thing is that in, in games, like I would say uh, not, not necessarily the majority, but I would say possibly the majority of people find their life partner or certainly mm. date within the industry because it's a creative hobby. Um, it's, it's something we care about as well as what we do. You're thrown together in situations and, and you care about the same stuff. So it's absolutely natural that you would tend to meet people who had similar, you know, interests to yours and, and form a relationship. And I think that's a really wonderful thing. I can, I certainly the vast majority of women in games that I spoke to um, and have spoken to, have have had wonderful experiences with people they've dated and of course you date people and you dump them and you're cross with them afterwards because that's that's very human and that's how relationships happen right mm. but but i think sort of pathologizing the idea of any relationship in games as a potential a- abuse kind of niche is a really bad thing to, to talk and about it doesn't help it doesn't mean that people who are going to take advantage of other people in a relationship are going to stop doing that and all it does is discourage people from potentially falling in love and having a wonderful experience. And that's the thing, you know, you can say don't date co-workers. And, and I think um, it's, it's wise to show restraint and discretion. But if you fall in love with somebody who you're working alongside, if you both are working in a job that you are passionate about and you both respect each other and you both spend time together, what is it? One in four relationships start in yeah. the workplace, something like that? And we had a quite formative experience, or I certainly did, um, when we got together at Failbatter. Um, we made a point of telling the deputy CEO, so the next mm. most senior person other than Alexis, immediately, because you didn't want to have any problems with allegations of misconduct. Mm. And I certainly didn't want people thinking I was sleeping my way to the top. So we thought, let's get it super out in the open. And we deliberately didn't tell everybody. One, because it would be weird to be like, hey, guys, we, we sleep together now. Um, but mostly because we didn't want to hurt the feelings of this other woman that had just been dumped and had to work with these two people, which you know obviously put her in a difficult position. So we were trying to be nice, but trying to be careful at the same time. And I was very disheartened to hear that um, one of the board members, when when she was informed of our relationship, um, her immediate reaction was... This is why we were both still there, to be clear. Yeah, her immediate reaction was, can Lottie leave the company? Um, That that was the solution. Now, on paper, you know, it would be ideal if we were not working together, if we decided to, you know, pursue a relationship because there is potential for for complications later down the line. But things being as they were, you know, you weren't going to leave because you were the CEO. I had just got basically my dream job working in a studio that I'd admired for years. And it felt it felt bad to think that that I would have to change my life and career and, you know, not be able to pay rent and go through all that pain because there wasn't any other way of, of dealing with the, the, the problem. And I think we've both spoken about, um, I don't know if you read about Mr. McDonald's. I don't know what his name actually is, but I think he was the CEO of McDonald's. And he recently got in a bit of a scandal and had to step down because he had turned out to be having a relationship with a junior employee in his company. And as far as I'm aware, there was no allegation of misconduct or abuse, but he was in direct violation of a company policy that clearly said, you're not allowed to have a relationship with an employee. And as a result of that, he said, you're right, I'm sorry, and he left. And that was kind of it. And I think if that had been the case with you and Failbatter, we wouldn't Mm. be in the the situation we are now. Um, And the fucking tragedy of it is that that had this happened and by the time you left better a year later there was still no policy in place i don't yeah. think there is to this day no so the lesson to learn from it is not um you know i would submit um alexis is a radioactive presence who jumps out of bushes at women now he's gone we don't need to worry about it it should be jesus that was a mess let's make sure it doesn't happen again yeah but as a result of it being a ridiculous sex scandal the message everyone takes away is is uh if we just manage to remove all the bad apples, yeah. then nobody will ever have a relationship at work again. And if they do, it won't be a problem. 
which is not how reality works. Not how reality works. Yeah, yeah. Human nature is what it is, for sure. And uh, and this, the, yeah, the cancel culture thing that always uh, bothers me is what 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 does it actually achieve? Like you're saying, like remove all the bad apples. That's not possible. Mm. Like what does cancel culture bring? Some uh, some justice to the world, some fundamental justice that actually changes structural injustices in society. Not really. Uh, you know, I mean. If, if you do find a, a real, you know, there are some obviously very bad people who have, you know, been taken down by, by witnesses who have come forward, um, you know, I would say like Bill Cosby and Jeffrey Epstein, and there are some, you know, some awful people out there. But, um, but for the most part, like canceling people because you disagree with them, canceling people because uh, you've heard rumors, or uh, it is, it's a pretty destructive tendency that, that I don't know, I don't know how we're going to fix that. Um, in terms of like what you've been through the last couple of years, uh, looking back in retrospect, do you have any advice for people going through this, a similar thing, like how you coped with things, how you could have coped with oh, things yes. better? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, a top number one advice is, uh, and, and I've spoken to other people who are, as it were, in council club and, and, and they fall in. Some of them manage to do this, some of them don't. Everyone benefits from it. Don't look at the fucking internet. Don't go looking for things about you because um, right now, if you have, you know, unless you live in a cave and you see another human being, someone is probably talking shit about you. Somebody's probably saying things that aren't true about you, things that would really upset you if you heard about them. But think about Twitter or the internet generally, as you can see it. And there have been times when I've been silly enough to Google my name and I have found something that ruins my week. And I haven't really learned anything. All I've done is, is, is feed a bad habit. And it's so easy to say, well, you know, what, someone's being shitty about you on Twitter, just, just you know, don't, uh, don't look at your phone. But stuff gets its hooks into you. Well, and, and it has an a actual implication yeah. on real life. Well, that's the thing. So just, just the, 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 the psychological side of it, I think the thing is never go looking. Never go looking. It will find you. And if it doesn't, you've nothing to worry about. And the other side of it, of course, is, is the impact on real life, which you were talking about. I don't have any good advice on that, though. That just sucks. Yeah. Like, don't get cancelled. <laughs> that would be my advice. It's really bad. Um, I mean, the, the, the big thing that, that we struggled with, I think it would be worse if you were actually guilty of what you were accused of. Mm. And we were really open at the beginning to the idea that, that Alexis and I had just like totally misunderstood the situation and he had actually, actually acted in a way that was really horrible and we just somehow hadn't realised that. So, so you know, we were open to theoretically... I mean, it wasn't say I was open to it so much as I couldn't stop thinking about it. But I think it, it's important because obviously yeah. if you're in a situation like we were in, something has gone wrong somewhere. Because that yeah. stuff doesn't happen like every day, right? So so something has gone wrong somewhere. And I think in our instance, it was basically a runaway tray of, of rumours that mm. happened to be in the right place in the right time and it just kicked off. But, but you know, as, as you have pointed out, Eric, there are some people who are guilty of what they have been accused of online. And I think if you want to be a good person, then if somebody comes up to you and critiques you, you need to be open to that critique theoretically. Um, so, you know, that, that's all handy dandy. But, but what it felt like after we had soul searched and realized that really, no, this was absolutely mad and, and it was getting out of control and nothing that you were being described as was, was true, mm. was that our reality, the reality of our everyday, the reality of our egos, and I mean that in like psychological terms, not, not our sense of how great we are, but the sense of who we are, were being challenged by thousands of people, which is a really compelling challenge to your sense of self. And I certainly felt shredded. I felt that everything I thought I was, my entire identity as a sort of left-leaning, 
kind feminist. The internet was telling me I was some sort of monster and that didn't chime. You know, there've been people who don't like me, but but nobody in my life has been like, you know, when you like like kick that old lady in, in, in the vagina, like that was bad and I hate you for it. Like that's because I didn't, I don't do stuff like that, right? So, so what, what I think the most difficult thing for people going through something like a cancellation is this like total challenge to your absolute sense of self. Mm. And I think if you are in the wrong place or you don't have the support network in place, that stuff annihilates you. And I think that is why some people kill themselves after this experience. And this is, is why so it's awful. so shredding because a lot of what we had thought was our support network turned out to be um, not our support network because yeah. they, they, they couldn't go public so so the positive spin on this which otherwise is just miserable is um if you are in a situation where the internet is against you go and speak to people who are not on the internet mm. who know you and i don't mean just your friends who will come around with a bottle of wine and say oh my god poor you have some more but i mean people in your everyday life like go out and talk to people in the park or like go to the shops and like just interact with normal humans and and you'll notice that you don't get the reaction from them that you get from the internet you know when we mm. go to the shops we have a perfectly polite natural interaction with other humans and we go about our day and every time i have something like that it reminds me that i'm not this horrible awful person that the internet sometimes wants me to feel like and it's a very useful challenge to, to the narrative that is spun by Twitter, whether, whether or not that's deliberate. Mm. You know, I don't think most people involved in the cancellation want to hurt you or me. Um, I think they just involve themselves in a fun drama. I, I but, yeah, you're, I couldn't go to the shops initially. I know. Because so I was awful. sort of somehow convinced that people would have seen what he said about me. And I, I know, and that's to... what it does. It warps the reality. And I think... Uh, Yeah, like Lottie says, people who, who are outside the bubble, who aren't, the phrase I've heard is Twitter poisoned. Uh, the reaction we keep getting is, 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 is we'll talk to friends, they'll say, you know, how are things? Or, oh, you know, pretty good. Uh, you know, the cat hasn't jumped out of the window lately, but that bullshit from two years ago is, is you know, still causing us problems. And they'll be like, I'm sorry, what, still? Mm. But how is this, how is this, what, what is even? And the answer is, you know, there's, there's, there's several dozen people who've decided that, um, it's quite a fun blood sports so they keep on on, on on kicking off but uh <laughs> my ex-wife um told a friend of hers about the whole thing and the friend just couldn't get their head around there ex-wife kept saying uh so you know this, this he was accused of, of misconduct because and and the friend's like okay so he had an affair with this woman yes so but what's the actual accusation and and my ex was okay well you know he he, he slept with her yeah, but what, what's the accusation? She said it was there. And, and it, I think sometimes people have to work quite hard to continue to maintain their belief in, in devils. What other useful advice have you got? I've got one other bit, which is, like I said earlier, what you're supposed to do in a situation like this is write some sort of incredibly raw eight-page blog post and post it across all your forums yeah. and respond to everyone and get really involved, which is not advisable for your mental health. But the key thing is that Alexis and I decided very early on that despite the fact that people were saying really outrageously vile things about both of us online, we were not going to respond in kind. We were not mm -hmm. going to get into the fray. We were not going to insult anybody we'd worked with. And we're basically going to maintain um, our, our, our class rather than getting into it and saying, well, you shouldn't believe that person because they did this to me five years ago and you, therefore you can't trust them because that's just, you know, I think it's childish and that's not the person I want to be. And at the time, that was a very difficult thing to do because obviously the urge to defend yourself when people say horrible things is, is huge. But now we're two years on. We were saying before this podcast, this is the first time we've talked openly about this experience because it's so sort of dicey and upsetting. Um, and one of the things I'm deeply grateful for is that I don't feel we need to be 
careful or clever mm. with the things that we say because we haven't done anything that that will come out you know like we didn't post under false accounts like sliding some information into into important forums and we didn't say anything nasty about anybody that we then deleted but might be saved in the way back machine this kind of stuff we, we were basically just like normal humans and at the time that was frustrating but in hindsight we, we can now go ahead on really firm ground because we never behaved like a lunatic and, and that actually is really useful so if you know for example we do go through some sort of mediation or some sort of um even even legal proceedings and and to be clear i think that's almost impossible and we don't want to do anyway but if we, if we go through any kind of proceeding set in place by any adults not having behaved like a lunatic is a really good place to start and i think one of one of the you know the rule i've seen is always behave well, i can't write all this uh or i would one. attribute it always behave is everything you write um down paper electronic whatever might someday appear in 48 point font on the wall of a courtroom because it actually might and and I feel confident, you know, I think probably if somebody shared some of my more intimate messages with romantic partners, I'd be embarrassed. Mm. But that's as far as it goes. I haven't said anything I'm and, you know, ashamed uh, of. And props to Lottie, I think I would have if it hadn't been for you, because you know the number of times I was yeah. furious and had to be talked down from posting things I regretted. And you did sacrifice every your mental time, health for it. Because... And every time I've done that, I've been glad. So just just... And what we have done more than once, they'll never see the light of day, but there have been numerous documents where I went line by line through somebody uh, monstering me and said, and another thing, <laughs> just to get it out of my freaking system. And then I consigned it to the uh, recycle bin. Uh, thank God. Because by the time you end writing it, you know, you feel cheap and dirty anyway. Yeah. But it did help get it out of my system a couple of times. And the flip side is, you know, the the stuff we've seen on, on social, I had the very unenviable task of going through and collating a lot of this stuff for, for the people we were asking advice from, you know, from, from lawyers and PR people and marketers and mental health people who just were like, I'm sorry, what the hell is going on? Could you please provide some sort of map? Um, so I uh, focused entirely on the company, Better and their employees, the people at the centre of this, and focused only on Twitter. And I have a 42-page document of really horrible things that people have said about us. And they haven't got anything... It's actually 42 pages. It's actually 42 pages long. And, and they haven't got anything that we've said about them because we made a point of not being dicks. Yeah. <laughs> I did apparently tweet menacing poetry at someone. You did. Yeah. You did. You know, I've never heard of menacing poetry before. So I'm, I'm fascinated <laughs> by this concept. Not, is it worth getting into a story? <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I mean, I think I think it was a sort of jokey tweet before the allegations hit. Yeah. Um, that, in hindsight, can be portrayed as threatening poetry but to be clear i think it's poetry <laughs> that you wrote for fall in london yeah. and involves fictional characters it's not, it's not like you did a rhyming couplet which rhymes with gun yeah i tweeted in character from a twitter account that i, I had kept that after was, it was an in character yeah. tweet so so i feel i feel not that worried about that coming back to no. you i think there is one other thing which which comes to what lottie said which is is in terms of advice it's very much oh you know i wouldn't have started from there yeah don't get cancelled yeah. guys but one of the way <laughs> just Fucking talk to people. So we, we, we did do some of this. I, I um, we, we did try to talk to a couple of the people involved early on, um, and it didn't didn't work. But here's an example. So so one of the the pebbles that started the avalanche, I think, was that um, a year after I'd left, Failbetter laid off a bunch of people that they shouldn't have laid off in a very clumsy way two days before the Christmas party. And I had actually gone to one of the board and spoken to them about it ahead of time because I could see what was, 
I could see that there was something going on uh, and I wanted to encourage them to do something differently. And even though I was by then no longer part of the company, everyone there was still my friend. And it's very hard to step away emotionally for a company you put seven years of your life and a marriage into. And because my ex, you know, absolutely says, a startup killed the marriage. Uh, and when they laid people off anyway, a bunch of those people went to the press and said they'd been shabbily treated. And Eurogamer published an article about it, quoting people. Eurogamer came to me and asked if I had anything to say about it, and I did. And I was the one person who went on record. Everyone else was a source. Everyone, uh, was anonymous. Was anonymous. Yeah. yeah. So I think um, I think Fairbetter probably thought that I'd sort of whipped up the whole thing for whatever motive I don't know. And I think if one of them had come to me and said, "For fuck's sake, Kennedy, why did you, uh, why did you talk to the press?" Then I would have said, "Well, the press talked to me, me yeah. and I was left with the choice of either lying or staying silent or speaking but not giving my name, um, or saying the stuff that I'd already said back channel to you." And I, I wonder how things would be different if they had asked me that question. That we'll never fucking know. But I think once you get the battle lines drawn, once you get people deciding other people are devils rather than humans. It's very, very hard to go ahead and have the conversation, which is why we are struggling with getting mediation out of fair better, of course. And if you talk earlier, I can't tell you, I mean, you know this, right? You've been in the world. The number of times you've had a really serious argument with somebody, and it turns out that you've been arguing for two hours because one of you literally misheard a word that the other used. Oh, yeah. And if you just sorted <laughs> it out, this, this shit yeah. happens. And if it happens in a room, it sure as shit happens on the internet. So that's my advice is just fucking talk to people before it's too late. I mean, it's all good advice. And stay classy, communicate, uh, don't live your whole life on the internet. <laughs> it applies, uh, it applies to everything. You know? is, 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 is my spirit animal. Stay classy is, is, <laughs> is my mantra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think this 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 applies to, you know, even if you aren't canceled, if you're just in a relationship, if you're dealing with other people in the world, you know, trying to not um, say horrible things and not uh, be a total ass is never a bad idea. <laughs> this is once, once you've said something, you can't unsay it. Right. But yeah, if you yeah. haven't no, said I've it, you can always still say it. <laughs> and, and of course, we're all human. So, you know, we all we all make that mistake from time to time. I mean, you know, I, I think, I think the, you know, just, just, deal, you know, just being in a, in a relationship with another person, we've all said things we regret saying, and it's, it's hard. It's a hard lesson to learn. Hopefully you learn it over mm -hmm. time. I think the problem that we see with the internet, of course, is that, you know, you literally can't take things back. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. all there. It's all documented forever, you know, and people that you love may be forgiving, but people that you don't even know and don't know you, they have no incentive to be forgiving or to be kind or, yeah. you know, to be, um, to listen. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, it's quite an ordeal. It sounds like, and, um, I'm glad, I mean, I'm glad that things are better for you guys now. Uh, even if, if it's not, you know, all better. Um, and I'm glad that you're, you're, you're out talking about it now because I think that, I think, you know, it, it is such an odd story because unlike some other stories, there just isn't much in terms of, 
concrete allegations or, or it, it is a little hard, you know, reading over some of the, 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 um, the stories about this and the blog posts, your, your statements, it's kind of like, okay, I, it is a little hard to puzzle out what exactly the, the story itself is other than the story that became the story based mm. on sort of the, the um, exaggeration around it and the rumor around it. Um, which she does make That's a really it, good uh, way know, of putting it. I don't, I don't even know what to deny because it's, it is, you know, the yeah, story of the story rather than the it's story. It's very vague and, and it, it sort of takes on its own, its own life, its own shape. I mean, you know, because there certainly are, you know, other stories out there about other people that are very, very concrete or that have a lot of backing or many, many, you know, some people have, you know, 16 different accusers and you can really establish some sort of pattern and, uh, but in this in this case, it's really it's really nothing like that. Um, but it's it's incredible that even in, even when there's something like this, how huge the impact on people's lives can be. I, w- I wish that people would be more careful um, before they go around spreading rumors and spreading and spreading these kind of stories. And I, I do wish that in my profession we would have more uh, a lot more cautiousness and and care about the impact. On and you know and and the impact on not just the accused but sometimes also the accusers. Um, there, there's been some. I don't know if you've seen what's going on with Kotaku pulling a certain story about. Um, oh, about, about one uh, of the other people got accused at the same uh-huh. time as me. Yeah, I, and I tried the, to stay the, away from industry news full stop yeah. these days, but I did. See well, that. the accuser has had been trying to get them to pull that article for years, and it, that was a really another whole interesting story. But uh, and you know, not a very pleasant one. I mean, I don't um, get the sense that anybody who actually starts, it's quite rare for people who start these call-outs to end up being glad they did. I think a lot of people do things yeah. in the heat of the moment and then... Well, I think the problem yeah, is there like, just isn't any resolution. I mean, yeah. I don't know what you're supposed to do after cancellation. I don't know what anybody is supposed to do. The mm. accuser, the accused, whether you're guilty, whether you're innocent. Because, yeah. you know, one of the things that we had said to us when we were talking to people who weren't on the internet when all of this was really happening was, was we'd say, AK has been falsely accused online and it's awful. And people would say, is there a court date? Mm. And we'd be like, mm-hmm. well, uh, well, he was accused of, of sleeping around with like two people that he did, but consensually. So no, there's not a court date. And and there just isn't any way to resolve it unless you mm-hmm. you are able to work with the people who have said that you've done something bad to either make amends if you have done something bad or, mm. or, or to straighten out you know miscommunication um or, or, or just something um and so it just sort of lies there like a sort of corpse in the middle of the room and everyone just sort of builds the moves the furniture around mm. it <laughs> um and, and i think that that goes you know if i had accused somebody of, of doing something bad i would have i would want a resolution i want them to apologize i'd want them to to make amends somehow and then i want to move on so i'm sure that's how people feel who have said bad things about you and i certainly know that from our point of view um we want to be able to move on and do our jobs and not get shouted at every time we do anything um and and i'm sure this is true of every cancellation regardless of the details um and i'm sure i don't know i just i just think resolution is the really big missing i think there's one more apology i want to make um, I did apologise at the time and then later to uh, the lady in question for having hurt her and ended relationship clumsily. I did apologise implicitly and I take responsibility for not having put a policy in place about workplace relationships, which because I was CEO is my failure. And somebody else accused me of flirting with her mother at her wedding. And I would like to apologise for that because I didn't know <laughs> that would upset her. So... That was part of the call out was that I flirted with somebody's mother at their wedding. And I think that was that was obviously a bad thing. 
I've had people's mothers flirt with me. That's good. Well, I think it was <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm not getting into this. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, right in front of my girlfriend, too. I don't know what it is. It's, uh, it's <laughs> I think it's three glasses of wine, probably. Yeah, no, yeah. Sorry, you're not being personal. So I just think at weddings, at weddings the wine is going to play. That's true. Um, so yeah, really well, bitchy. Um, anyways, I think that's uh, all the time that I've got for today. But I really appreciate you guys coming on here and sort of saying your piece. And well, thanks for talking to us, and, and thanks for writing the stuff you write because because you you're doing good work. Breath of fresh air. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And um, you know, I wish you guys the best of luck with trying to get the mediation going and hopefully getting your story out there more. And um, like you said, resolution is always great. I mean. I don't know why people don't want that more. Like resolution, that's it. What, a, what a good objective to have. Right. Um, but I do have yeah. one more thing to say about yeah. advice very briefly, which is just, it's actually something, uh, two things Lottie's father said to me. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. Uh, one <laughs> is that reputations are much more resilient than people uh, imagine. And that, you know, after the storm has passed, often people remember the other 30, 40, 20, whatever it is, years of your life. But the other thing is think of the worst thing that could happen to you or the worst things happen to a friend. You know, if, you, um, if you're paralyzed and your significant other leaves you and your children die, that's about as bad as it gets. That's a 10. So what is this? Is it a nine? Yeah. Is it a seven? And, you know, what happened to us was about an eight, I think. I think it yeah. was an eight rather than the end of our life. Was surprisingly helpful, and it does it does pass. It takes two years to get over a death. It takes two years to get over a divorce. I think it basically takes two years to get over something like this. So that's my advice: think of what a ten would be and count down from there. <laughs> right, and then have patience and yeah. get help and, and a gin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a therapist and some, you know, a fifth and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, great. Well, thank you so much. It was great to meet you guys. And, um, uh, and I look forward to seeing, you know, I guess, do you, do you have, do you, is there anything you want to talk about upcoming projects or uh, anything we should be looking forward to in, in, that, in that realm? Uh, well, we announced a um, TRPG uh, of Cultic Simulator called The Lady Afterwards, which is coming up in October. And we're working on Book of Hours, our next game. Um, but that won't be out for a couple of years. But you can subscribe and hear all our fun stuff. Um, in the interim. And I wrote a book. I'm not going to say anything about it because I want to sound too shit, too shilly. Uh, but if you Google <laughs> me and the word book, then you'll find it. Hooray. Against word building is the name of it. Whatever. Against, okay. Interesting. Cool. And online, where can people find you? You can find us on um, www.weatherfactory.biz or on Twitter for our sins um, at Factory Weather. Um, or just Google Weather Factory and you'll find all of our stuff. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks so much. And I uh, will talk to you guys again soon, hopefully. 